Hi, I'm Tina Spangler with TLC Barrels and welcome to my podcast. Today is March 15th, 2022, and this is for my Facebook virtual coaching group, Q&A number 83. 83 weeks we've been doing this. So welcome to new member Dakota in Florida. And wow, what a weekend we had here in Florida. In just two and a half days, we got seven inches of rain, so I can't imagine how much snow that brought to our friends in the Northeast after it left the Southeast. And uh, then it got cold on sun Sunday, but we were happy to see the sunshine again. And um, it's been a pretty couple days with rain coming back. So welcome to spring in Florida. Um, I would like to just make a few announcements before I go into the Q&A and the topic of the day. Today's topic is going to be about nutrition. It comes right out of my training notebook, um, Nutrition and Care, in Chapter 8 um, of my training book. So you can take a look at that as well. Um, and then also, um, so far on the personal best list, we have eight or nine riders, I believe. So if you had a personal best so far, let me know so I can get you onto the monthly PB drawing that we pull a prize for one member a month. And um, it can be anything from a TLC saddle cross to um, a key, TLC key ring or one month free in the group, etc. They're not big prizes, but just... Um, I just like to do it just to say that the small wins that you have each week add up to those big wins each month and each year. So uh, just to keep you motivated and keep working at um, chasing those goals of yours for the year. So let's see here. I did an extra podcast um, between this Q&A and the last, and it was about a 12-minute podcast on three ways to in step up your performance. Those three ways, number one is mindset. Number two is ramping up how to practice with a purpose. And number three is just getting out there and hauling and entering. And that's how you're going to get better. So um, you can listen to that podcast when you have time. That way I won't spend another 12 minutes on it now. Um, there was about nine videos that came in um, so far. Uh that I've worked on and I want to give shout outs to a couple of people uh, that I'm really, uh, I'm proud of everybody, but I'm especially proud of Mac and Suspicious for working on improving their uh, rider cues in competition. Um, you were in the 2D youth and open 3D a little slower than normal, but you're working on being correct and then the speed's going to come back. So proud of you for that. Uh, Rita with Kiss and Quana been doing great in Oklahoma. Uh, Kayla and Blue had a really nice run at the College Rodeo in Oklahoma. And uh, Brandy on Arthur won the barrel race first in the 1D after just one week in the group and, and taking a couple of tips that I gave her and applying them. So really proud of you and happy for you. Uh, let's see here. Heather and Bo are making progress with their basics and barrels. Um, Michaela and China are getting their rate and their turns better for barrels and poles. And now uh, let's see, Elizabeth and Kate in Texas um, sent me some videos and I hope the tips I gave you will be helpful for you. Um, Vanessa and Hunter, um, highs and lows of barrel racing, but I'm proud of you for knowing what you did right and what you did wrong and how to fix it. So just keep working at that and you will do great. So, all right, the questions we have. Um, one question was about v the barrels or rounding the barrels, which is better? 
Um, to be honest with you, I prefer four-wheel drive in a more round turn, and I try to train all my horses to be round in their turns. Um, I feel like a horse that's going to V the barrel, it, the timing on those horses can be really hard. You know, a lot of times you'll see that with your stiff rollback horses. Um, you know, they'll take more pocket behind the barrel um, and less pocket going in. And sometimes, though, if your timing's not right on them, You'll hit a barrel going in or you'll stall out behind the barrel. So I prefer to train with four-wheel drive and have a little bend in that rib cage and have them reaching with their shoulders and pushing with their hips. Now, I'm aware that they have an authentic style that they'll develop in time. And some of them will be a little more front-endy. Some of them will be a little more rollbacky. But I, my favorite is a fluid four-wheel drive horse that bends in the rib cage and just has one smooth motion around the barrel. Now, Belle was not like that. Belle was really hard to ride in her turn. She was more stiff rollback. So during the week, I did uh, flex and fluidity work with her, but all my other mares were more four-wheel drive and been nice in the rib cage. And you don't hit barrels on a horse like that as much as you will on that stiffer rollback course. Um, so, like I said, you train for their weaknesses during the week. So if you do have a horse that wants to V the barrels, um, I would do more circles, perfect circles, different sizes and speed, and work on flex and fluidity, and really round turns, round circles, you know, nice lateral bend of just seeing the eye or nostril to the inside, picking up that shoulder, bending in that rib cage, and riding that hind quarters up underneath them. Um, and it's the same thing for the front end horse that wants to drop on the front end. I won't let them work like that during the week, even if that's going to be their authentic style in competition. I'm going to make them stand up and pick up their shoulder and soften that rib cage. Um, so again, you just kind of have to play yin and yang with your 50-50 uh, balance and, and work on their strengths and weaknesses. Um, so real estate is important, you guys. Real estate is time. So I do like straight lines between my barrels more than in and outs. Um, I try to think of it like the big Bubba horse going to, you know, maybe a, anywhere from a eight to 10 foot arc, maybe even a 11 to 15 foot arc. Um, and then maybe five, four, three uh, in his pocket, you know, five feet going in, four feet on the backside, three feet coming out spots one, two, and three. Maybe the average normal size horse might go to a seven to eight foot arc and four foot going in three feet on the backside and two feet coming out. And maybe your little caddy horse will only need five to six foot arc and go three foot pocket in two feet on the backside and one foot coming out. Now I wouldn't practice that size. I'd always give them a little bit more room in practice. Um, you don't want to have more than a five foot pocket because then you'll take extra strides around the barrel and cause them to drop their shoulder and swing their hip. Uh, but I would never go under three foot going in. And um, I generally want the backside to be the same as the entrance. Um, you know, if not slightly smaller, not necessarily bigger. I know some people will ride to the backside with their, their colts so that they don't get anticipating. As long as I feel them getting in the hole, I'm happy with that. I don't want them trying to turn, of course, when their shoulder gets to spot one, the entrance. Um, and I don't want them to be inconsistent as well. So everything you do with your tuning on a young horse or open horse should be about repetition, consistency, so that they understand two plus two is four. You don't be uh, changing it up on on them all the time and confuse them. The only time I change it up is if I have that bad habit developing and I want them to focus on me and not the barrel. So if I sense the horse is like, well, there's a barrel, I'm turning. 
or there's a barrel, I'm getting hyper, I'm going to switch it up and say, okay, we're going to walk calm five foot circles around this barrel till you're relaxed. Or we're going to do all lefts and all rights now, five foot circles, one and a half times around each barrel so that you don't think, hey, there's a barrel, let's just turn it. And, and you think, hey, there's a barrel, we got to do a circle around it is what I would rather than thinking. So, so that's my answer to that. Um, again, horses have different styles. The most common three are the four wheel drive where they bend a little in the rib cage. There's the front endy and there's a the rollback. Um, and again, I train them all in the beginning to be the four wheel drive. And then as time goes and they're showing they can win effectively a certain way, I'm going to let them develop that. But again, I, I may tune up during the week, um, according to what I feel would be better for them. So the next question is, um, do I use natural horsemanship in my training? And I don't really know what natural horsemanship means to people. I know like natural to me would mean, you know, I try to take into consideration what is a natural for a horse. So my goal is to teach you to understand a horse and I want to understand uh, horses language and how they think. And I want to teach you to think like a horse. So when I think of how a horse thinks, you know, like the top 10 things I would think of is, um, you know, they're a herd animal, uh, pecking order. Uh, they like to play. They can be lazy. They like repetition. Um, they like kind of doing the, their normal consistent day. You know, you find them eating at a certain time, sleeping at a certain time, that kind of stuff. Um, they work off of fear and fight when they get in their flight mode versus their thinking mode. Um, they're curious. They're kind. Um, they definitely communicate with body language. Um, so those are, you know, like the top things that come into my mind when I think of a horse. Um and I think about the trainers that I've met that are natural horsemen. And um, I find that, that the guys who get into natural horsemanship, like Monty Roberts or Buck, um, um, I always mess up his last name, Buck Branham, uh, those guys, if you read their books or or uh, go to their clinics, you'll find out that they've had a pretty crappy life. You know, they started out with really abusive fathers and um, that beat them or were alcoholics or things like that. And they had bad families. And um, I know for me, um, I didn't have anything at all like that, but I did have my parents divorce at eight years old. And the horses were my, always, the horses were always my grounding place, my place of comfort and um and you know even as an eight-year-old having your parents split up that's traumatic you know it's not the abuse that Monty and Buck had but it's still something in your life that maybe can make you who you are you know and how you go through life and I feel like we all have our triggers from our life's experience so I think that maybe men like Monty or Buck who've been extremely mistreated by an, a a person go into horses with a, a lot more compassion and don't want to see a horse being spurred and whipped and yanked and jerked and abused. Um, so they want you to learn how to communicate with a horse through trust and respect and love and a place of communication of cues, but not force or intimidation or any of that. So, so I guess the answer is yes. Um, that would be what I would prefer over the latter. I'd rather the horsemanship than the cowboy uh, rough house buck a horse out kind of thing. I don't think that's necessary. I think that's not learning how to understand a horse or think like a horse. Um, 
or help a horse have a relationship with you. So absolutely, I think that's, um, I think it's important. And I really think back on uh, Pirelli and Clinton Anderson and um, Tom, uh, Tom Dorns. I've just, you know, so many over the years that um, John Lyons that have touched my life and natural horsemanship that I've applied to my program. And I think that's key when you're developing a program. And I've been developing my program for 30 years and it's always getting better. I'm always working at improving it. And I, what I mean by that is I find the best way to communicate with a horse in a simple way for a horse and rider so that it's a natural body language flow. And that's why I stress riding with your body so much because horses are about body language you shouldn't be in their mouth. You shouldn't be in their face. You can use your energy, your body, your legs, and very soft hands to communicate with your horse. Um, so anyways, um, someone asked me, uh, what do I do when a problem arises? Well, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to evaluate why. Um, is it pain? Is it training? Is it pressure? Is it the rider? Is it the horse? So I want to evaluate why. If it happens once, I might just see if it happens again. If it happens twice, I'm going to go back and figure out why. And if it happens three times, we have a bad habit. Um, so after I get the evaluation why and I treat the why, so if it's pain, get them feeling better, give them time off, whatever I need to do. If it's training, I'm going to go back to slow work and check my basics, see what's lacking in my foundation. Do I have any holes that have developed? Has my horse lost their brakes? They don't woe on a loose rein. Do they uh, walk, trot, and canter on a loose rein? Can I ride them one-handed? Um, are they, you know, being hyper, silly? You know, I would go back and I would fix this stuff. Are they stiff, not soft? Are they pushy, not responsive? Um, and then three, I would be patient and I would take the time it takes to fix them without competition. Um, and then number four, sometimes you may just need a time off, um, not necessarily turn out to the pasture, but maybe clear your head and just trail ride for a while or just slow down at exhibition for a while and not compete. You know, that's something that people don't like to hear. People don't want to do, but it, I do feel like it's an important aspect to consider. Um, you know, that's something to consider. So the next question was about uh, my bit. Uh, is it, you know, too much for my horse? Um, you know, so looking at the picture you sent me, you have a lot of leverage. It's a really long shank. And um, I prefer less is more personally. I do like a balance bit if I'm using a bit. I like the purchase and the shank to be about the same. But I always start with a short shank. That's why you'll hear me say I like the professional choice futurity bit, whether it's a chain mouthpiece or a three-piece dog bone or a two-piece. But I would say the three-piece dog bone is my favorite. Um, mine happens to be a twist so that if I do need to back them off with a little vertical flexion, I can or, um, you know, lateral bend, it's there for me. But, but um, you know, breaking in the pole vertically or lateral bend, I want to know that they can't lean on me. But some horses are so sensitive, a smooth mouth is better. And some horses that are a little bit more sensitive might even like a chain mouth. Um, so those would be my preferences. But I even like less is more than that. I'm a huge huge fan of S, uh, S side pulls and beetle S side pulls and a Jim Warner short chain hack, uh, hackamore. So those are my three favorites. Um, but I like to even just train in an O ring or a D ring, something like that. Um, the shorter the shank, 
the better. If you're a rider that hangs on your horse's head, get out of that shanked bit. You're going to be in your horse's face entirely too much. Um, obviously, you need to work on you, but uh, if you are a heavy rider and you don't give the horse, you know, reins low and forward, especially leaving a turn, if you hang on their head and you can't get that hand forward, you definitely need to get out of a bit, maybe into a side pull. Um, until you get those hands fixed. So I definitely um, think less is more on that. Um, now there is a time if I'm getting calluses on my hands with my O-ring, I'm certainly going to put my horse in a little short shank where I can be pinky light. But bits don't train horses, a bit more knowledge does. So so I would absolutely consider um, I would absolutely consider getting my horses to the point that they are broke. Um, you know, that's really important as well. Um, and make sure my hands are soft um, because I don't want my horse pushing through my hands anyway, you know, no matter what. So if I find myself feeling I need a bigger bit or bigger tie down because my horse is strong, I'm going to go back to training and get my horse softer and lighter. And, and, um, and that would be my way of handling that. Um, okay. So, sorry about that. I had to take a quick break. Um, something happened. <laughs> Someone came to the door. But anyways, um, the next thing is, the uh, next question was about slicing first barrel. So, I made a drawing, and there is a drill for that. And basically, if you have a problem where you take off from the alleyway, first of all, make sure you're looking and riding to third barrel, um, not looking at the first barrel or even at the arc if your horse has a really bad habit of slicing. And literally work on riding with your hands in the middle of their neck, looking between their ears and going to third. And you'll do this at a walk, trot, and a lope, and you will literally go until you are between first and second lined up with third stop and pet your horse and again I'll put a picture of it in the group to, um, this week and you'll stop there and let them settle and then you'll go ahead and finish the barrel pattern at a, a walk or maybe post trot sit jog um, and you may need to do like in and outs where you pick up their shoulder and and keep them five feet at least going in on the back side and then you can finish three feet um but that's really an, a great tune-up, and it works wonders. So, so I will again post that one in there. Um, the next question was about uh, wide turns and why it's happening. Um, <clears throat> so anyways, I have some clients in the group that are just starting. Um, I find for the clients in the group, um, if I haven't had you in a lesson or a clinic, um, or even it's it's been a really um, long time since I've talked to you in the group, sometimes you forget about the details, um, like, uh, things like you're not collecting your horse, you're not getting your rate. So you could be doing things like spirals or straight line on the rail, do your transitions where you go from a post trot to a sit jog off your body. So a lot of times, um, the wide turns are happening because you're not getting collection and your horse is not uh, going to their spots. Maybe you're starting your turns too soon or, um, too late because you don't have rates. Um, but if you start them too soon from anticipation, you'll lose your pocket, either going to spot one or two, the entrance or the backside, and then you'll blow off wide leaving. Some people have wide turns going in because, or on the backside, spot one and two, because they don't have collection or rates. So this is why you will hear me always be saying, um, of uh, thinking about 
of your body. And when you have a lack of rate or collection, you need to start asking for it sooner. So four strides from the barrel, you need to start thinking, relax, sit in the saddle. Three strides out, you might need to say, whoa, and bump your horse. Two strides out, you may have to say, whoa, and bump them again. Two-hand bump or one-hand bump, we're going to talk about that next. That was another question. Um, but that's something that you need to consider. And don't think of pulling on a horse because if you pull, they just pull back and they float away from you in the turn. Um, bumping and releasing is key. Every time you bump your inside rein, it helps to, and you sit deep. It connects your hand and your seat to their hind end and their pivot foot if you practice that way. So that's really important. So I would say focus on your breaks during the week. Make sure you've got a loose rein whoa. They're backing nicely. They're raiding off your body for transitions at a walk, trot, and canter. You have speed control. So that would be my um, question there. And then send me videos and let me see if you're just missing your spots in your turns um, or just not preparing them for the raid as early, things like that. The next question was about bumping reins versus pulling the reins. Um, <clears throat> they said that they're bumping um, feels like they're pulling. And you know what? They are. Um, I looked at the pictures and the videos and you're not bumping. You are holding. And that's a huge problem. When you bump your hand, whether it's up or back and you don't release it, the horse is going to have a negative reaction to that. So um, here's something you need to think about. Um, the good thing about bumping with a rein, if you do a one inside bump, um, that can help connect the rein hand to the hip. Um, but by bumping, you're not going to swing the butt. But by pulling, you will um, cause the hip to float uh, out, swing the hip, or uh, the shoulder will float away from you. So that's not good. Um so that's with your inside rein. If you just bump with your inside rein, if you bump, you'll get your uh, nose in, shoulder up, hip under. If you bump and release, if you pull, again, the shoulder floats, the hip swings. So now we're going to talk about using your outside rein. If you have a horse that has anticipation and you pull on the outside rein, it's going to cause the nose to go out and the shoulder to drop in. That's counter arcing. That's why you don't want to pull. But if you just do a quick bump, just very light bump as you're approaching the barrel to say, look, one more step that will help with anticipation. Sherry Servey's really great at that with her horse, Hawk. Um, you can watch some of her videos on YouTube and see her do it going to second at the Thomas and Mac. Um, but it's a quick bump. You'll see her horse's face is never pulled to the outside. The shoulder is never dropped. It's just a quick, hey, straighter, longer, one more you know, half stride or 12 more inches, you know, just to get in the hole and not turn at the shoulder. Um, and then secondly, the um, two hand bumps versus pulling. If you do a two hand bump as you sit, that's going to help a colt collect and get on their hind end. It's going to help the free runner think about collecting and raiding down. Um, it's also going to help with collection for any horse. But if you pull, there's a chance they're just going to pull back and push down onto their front end even harder. And, you know, some horses will just tuck their head to their chest and their legs will keep going. They don't shorten their stride. They don't get on their hind end. And that's because they haven't been taught in foundation work, give and take cues, break in the pull, shorten the stride, all of that off of your seat. So, um, it's always going to be about going back to basics. If you have holes in your foundation um, it's going to show up in competition. It's also 
something um, that you have to keep in mind, uh, you know, at any point in time, you know, in competition, because it, their adrenaline gets so up that you need to go back to basics during the week, even on that open horse, and keep them light and tuned up. Uh, the next question is, I feel my horse is pushy when I ride them. Okay, so the key is feel. Feel is everything. We want our horses light and supple, and we want them responsive. That's our goal. So every ride, we should um, ride with a purpose, practice with a purpose. And every ride, we are looking to prevent problems. We're looking to improve performance. We should spend 80% of our rides during the week on suppleness and collection. And that can be done out on the trail, in the pasture. It doesn't have to necessarily be done in an arena. So it gives you guys both a brain break from the arena. But I do believe quiet work in the arena is important for a horse. They shouldn't just associate arena with fast work. So it's great to do some of your um, suppleness and collection work in the arena. And only 20% should be spent on patterns or drills. So I do love drills but because it gives you a focal point. But the drills are, it's not more, it's not necessarily about the drill as much as it is the horse being correct and connected to you. So keep that in mind as well. Um, the shoulders, you know, your, you know, an example of that is your shoulders should be square. Your horses should be square. Um, when you ask them to soften their face left or right or down, they should. So what I would do is if I have a pushy horse, I would start with face flexing left, right, and down. And then I would start with, you know, nose in, nose out drills. Um, you know, first do it at a standstill, the face flexing left, right, and down. And then I would do the nose in, nose out on circles and straight lines because that's one of the best ways to get a horse light and soft again get control of the face neck and shoulders i feel like if you have control of the shoulder it really helps you with everything by being able to put a shoulder out or in or up you really control the hip and the rib cage that way so really focus on that and making your horse soft and light um and again, if you have a horse that needs to back off, you bring your hand back an inch as you sit deeper in the saddle and just use give and take, but don't release until they respond. If they give to the pressure, then you release. So let's see here. We had a lot of questions this week, but that's a good thing. Um, let's see here. So um, I think that's all I really wanted to say on that other than... Um, um, if, you know, you want them to be four wheel drive, you know, ideally, um, you want a fluid motion. Um, you want to feel them pulling with their shoulder and pushing with their hind end. You want to feel collection. You want to feel them bending in the ribs. So one of my favorite drills is the up down drill. And I can post that in the group this week, or I think I have recently, uh, also the single pull or single barrel drill. Um, and the D pattern, of course, will help with any of that as well. So I, those would be my go-tos. The up-down drill will get them reaching with their shoulders, pushing with their hind end. It's give and take from you, riding more with your body, all of that. So I think that's really important. Um, but it can help that horse that's front endy or that rollback horse be more four-wheel drive as well doing these drills. So, okay. Uh, uh oh, one more question. Um, sorry, there was a lot, uh, extra care during the week. Um, I'll put this in the group as well, but I love the red light therapy. It works on the acupressure points. Um, that's something that I can do between a massage or chiropractic when I was competing regular. It helps make the chiropractic last longer between the vet and the chiropractor caring for your horse. Um, 
I use Release. It's from Dynamite. You can put it on sore spots. It's just uh, flower essence. It's different ingredients that you spray into a sore spot as you massage. And um, Ashley in our group um, with Equine Energy Services is a massage therapist. And she's also a Dynamite rep like myself. She signed up under me. And she is a... Um, uh, uses the release a lot with horses and sore spots. I also love essential oils. I'll use deep blue. I'll use lavender, balance. A lot of those I'll use on my horse's coronary bands, sore muscles, sore joints, um, just keep them feeling good. So there's a lot of things you can do, um, you know, to keep your horse healthy. And I'll put that in the group as well. Um, someone asked about bleeders. Um, you absolutely um, need to, number one, identify um, about the, uh, you know, is it, is it, uh, you know, are they coughing? Um, are they fearful or do you actually see blood? Uh, number two, get your vet involved and, you know, they're going to want to rest them and put them on SMZs, probably antibiotic, uh, for two weeks, you know, 10 to 14 days and rest for two weeks, um, so that you don't get a respiratory infection from any of the blood that may have pooled in their lungs. Um, they say 80% of horses eventually bleed, especially, Horses in the south with the thick air. I don't know if it's true, but I've read that. And um, I've had seasonal bleeds uh, occasionally, but nothing terribly bad uh, or seemed like it was more of an allergy bleed in the spring or something like that when things are all crazy blooming and it's starting to be that crazy weather where we go hot, cold. Um, but there are options. Um, number three would be natural or Lasix. Um, you have to talk to your vet about it. Lasix, long term, you'd have to probably be treating them for electrolytes or liver or kidney um, support so that you don't uh, do anything to damage the liver or kidneys. So work with your vet closely with that. Um, there are natural products out there. Um, there's a Chinese herb called um, Yunnan Bio Powder. There are um, supplements. Dynamite believes in um, concentrate trace minerals and a product called Super Stress or Hiscorpidine, and it supports the lung um, capillaries, uh, respiratory uh, situation. Um, the fourth thing to look at is your conditioning. Are you a weekend warrior? Or are you keeping your horse um, fit during the week with your long trotting and building their win? Um, are you not overrunning them, over racing them? You know, are you doing slow work with them to keep them fit and strong? So I believe there was an article recently in Barrel Horse News about uh, conditioning a bleeder. And then you can look at previous articles in Barrel Horse News regarding um, bleeders as well. But definitely consider things like hay and feed, how much hay and feed you give them before you run. Just like you don't want to eat a big meal and go exercise, uh, make sure you keep the meals smaller. They should have something on their belly, but not a full meal, just a little bit of hay or whichever and should be you know different hours before and of course if you're doing Lasix there's even more rules to when you pull their hay and water um, because you don't want pressure putting pressure on the lungs by having full intestines and all of that um, there are things like the nasal strips that have been proven to work really well for horses that may bleed um, so there's also you know Bev's has a, a allergy and bleeders um, that you give twice a day orally, but not with food. It has to be fed separately from food. Um, you can give it pre-run as well. Um, but anyways, there's definitely you just have to find what works. But it's certainly scary for them. So I would for sure make sure that I am um, addressing it in some way because if you're starting to have a problem on the pattern, you suspect a bleeder. 
um, by the time they get to third barrel, they could think they're drowning in their lungs. And that's a scary feeling. And that's why they may blow off the pattern or get you know, crazy out of control with you or something like that. So it's absolutely something to uh, pay attention to and um, not, um, and not ignore and address, you know, some people won't run their horse. They'll retire their horse rather than run on LASIK. Some people feel like LASIK is a um, good preventative. So I truly feel, feel you need to talk to your vet and decide what you feel is best um, for your horse and how to do it and and all of that. So it's not, you know, it's not a one one all for anybody. I, I do feel like um, it's something that you have to to make a personal decision on what's working. Okay, so the topic we're going to discuss today is about um, nutrition. So let me get to my notes for that. Somewhere in here. I don't know. All right, here we go. Okay, it's chapter eight of my book. But um, I'm not going to go, I, I've already been talking for 32 minutes, so I don't want to go too long on this. Maybe I'll do part now and then part next week because I'm going to run out of time. Um, but um, I absolutely think when it comes to nutrition, um, chapter eight, I cover a lot of stuff, medical emergencies, um, you know, what, how to treat an emergency, what's an emergency, whether it be founder, colic, tying up, dental, eye injury, etc. But this one, I'm going to get a little bit more into nutrition. Maybe I'll cover the other ones next time. So I think common sense is um, balance. Okay. I think balance is key. Um, one time I had a horse come in training. It was only four and it was on like 10 different supplements. And I was like, she's four, you know, and I think that's overkill. So um, I think a quality hay, I love ONA. Um, if I can't find a quality ONA, I just buy half alfalfa, half orchard, and I mix my own. Um, and that's what I do a lot because I don't, you know, always find the best ONA. Um, and I think it's balance is key. My horses don't get feed. They're all retired except Rocky and they're all um, fat as ticks just with one flake of alfalfa and one flake of orchard. But it's a three string bale. So they're big bales and they get hay three times a day. So I generally give them a half alfalfa, half orchard breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And um, so maybe that works out to about three flakes in the winter months when I have no grass. And then I cut it back in the summer months when the grass is growing. And I do think it is key. If you don't have a grass pasture, you may have to um, add more grass hay. Um, if your horse is raised on coastal and your your horse are used to coastal or Bermuda from where you are, um, it doesn't have a lot of nutrition, but it is a good fiber filler type thing. Um, and that's what this balance is about because um, your calcium and phosphorus ratios are important. Um, vitamins and minerals are important. And um, it's a really scientific thing, which I don't really care to get into because it's very complicated. But um, you know, you've ever heard of like the big head disease when a horse is fed like a ton of wheat bran and they get a phosphorus overload, um, you know, so calcium and phosphorus, um, those are all magnesium. All these things are super important. Magnesium can be suppressed, which magnesium is good for calming and muscles and all of that. If the horse is getting way too much calcium. And also if you have too much phosphorus, um, that's where that big head thing comes in versus if you have a balance of calcium and phosphorus. So that's why I don't think a horse should be fed straight anything. I think it should be a balance because 
alfalfa, peanut hay, those are all like a legume. It's more protein, calcium, all of that. Um, definitely a horse will put on more weight, you know, more energy, has more nutrition, vitamins, minerals, all of that. Um, even can be a, a acid buffer in the stomach for keeping ulcers away. Um, but then your quality grass hay gives them, you know, what they need as well for the fiber and things like that. Um, some horses can't have alfalfa, you know, some horses need to have quality Timothy or orchard type hays. Um, you have to look at sugar content too. You know, spring grass is going to have more sugar. Some hays have more sugar than um, your alfalfa. So if you have horses with special conditions, definitely work with your vet or your nutritionist to decide what is hay and, and such is best. Um, I do feel um, amino acids, chelated amino acid with through your vitamins and minerals is important. And that's why I'm a dynamite person. I've been with dynamite for about 11 years and I've always fed the free choice uh, loose minerals and salts. And they have like a two-to-one, a one-to-one. So like if I feed more alfalfa, I'm going to want to see my horses go through their one-to-one, um, you know, mineral more. Um, if I'm feeding more grass, they may be going through the two-to-one more with the calcium-phosphorus ratio. So all four are put out though, the two-to-one, the one-to-one. And then the ismine is like a, a really quality electrolyte. Um, it's more of a pricier one, but they'll eat it when the weather changes or growth spurts or when they're under stress. Um, I may even put it on their cup of pellets a day onto their supplements if I feel like, you know, something's going on where they need a detox or a more, little bit more help with, you know, the weather stresses and things like that. Like you'll see in hurricanes, horses will go after the ismine because of the barometric pressure changes and it can keep colics at bay and such. Um, and then the fourth one is the um, natural trace minerals. It's a pink salt. It's not... Uh, like in a block where it's got the binders in it. It's not white bleach like your table salts and such. It's pink, it's natural, and it's loose, and the horses take what they want. But what I like is the minerals and salts are separate. So the horse, if they just want salt, can get salt. If they just want mineral, they can get mineral. So I love having out my free choice minerals. Sometimes if they're balanced, they won't touch any for a long time. And then if something changes in their diet, stress or feed or hay, they'll go after or their grass, they'll go after one or all of them. Um, the next thing I like to do, um, they do have dynamite um, and dynamite plus that is a chelated amino acid. That's for the, the, the other one, the loose stuff is more like your macros. These are more like your, um, your more of your smaller, uh, the, the chelated amino acids, those are really important. Similar to like you're getting with your equine. I know a lot of people do it like that equine, uh, but this is more than that. It's more than just the amino acids. It's the, you know, it's the full balance of the vitamins and minerals, not just the amino acids. So it comes in one ounce. You just put one ounce on their food a day and it covers all the things that they're not going to get from the hay and feed that you give because of the way that the soils are and the way that things are harvested. Um, so you'll notice horses get more dappily and more shiny when they're on it um, and that kind of thing. Um, the next thing I like to talk about is the Miracle Clay. It's um, preventative for ulcers. You can actually treat ulcers with it by making it thicker and do, doing it daily, um, either in a syringe 
um, probably a syringe if they are going to be off feed if you're actually treating ulcers. I don't, I, if I have, if I know I have ulcers, I don't give them any feed for 10 days, just hay, and I'll, I'll squirt the thick ulcer, um, treatment of Miracle Clay. It's almost like a paste since, you know, or thick soup. Uh, I'll spray that in their mouth twice a day to treat it. And then once I go on a preventative, it's just two ounces of clay water on their actual, um, hay pellet or, or if you feed feed you can put it on that um, it's a natural uh, parasite inhibitor so it helps with keeping worms away it's also a light detox for any heavy metals and such that they might get through the soil or the uh, water or anything like that uh, uh, hay feed etc so the third thing I talked about the is mine um, you can actually add is mine on the food that's one of the free choice that you can force feed and that will help with a young horse growing um, bone issue if you have a bone issue um, you know stress diet a weather issue all of those things um, Dynapro uh, I'm sorry uh, there's a thing called Dyna hoof also and it's a hoof supplement if you're having problems with nasty breaking up feet or no growth um, I would definitely, now we're going into the wet season, you might want to get your uh, turpentine or your uh, Keratox hoof hardeners, you know, on hand to keep those feet tough with all the wet weather, maybe copper tox um, for thrush, etc. Um, there is that other products called tomorrow or today, you can put that in hoof cracks for thrush. Um, but um, Dynapro, Dynahoof, sorry, I keep saying the wrong word. Dynahoof actually has the, um, what is it, the Oh, the, uh, the products that are good for the hoofs. I'm drawing a blank right now. Is it biotin and methylinian? I'm messing up the words, but it has, um, the things that are very beneficial for hoof growth. And I've seen horses hooves change in just one bag of it, just have amazing, beautiful growth. Um, but there are natural things you can put on your horse's feet too, for thrush and such like clove oil, oregano oil, tea tree oil. Um, that can also help with thrush. Um, so Pay attention if no hoof, no horse is true. So make sure you're keeping those feet free of thrush, free of um, cracks and and um, sore frogs or anything like that. Um, I mentioned the free choice minerals. I put those out 24 hours. But the next thing I love, and my horses don't get feed like I mentioned, but so they think they're getting something once a day. I give them a cup of like a hay pellet. And um, I put their Dynapro on there, two cc's. It's a prebiotic. The reason I do that is it keeps a healthy gut. And I believe a healthy gut uh, is at least 75% of a horse's immune system. So um, by putting two cc's on their feet a day or their hay pellet, um, it really does help with um, keeping a horse healthy. Um, you can also give them extra after stress of so like vaccinations or deworming that type of thing. Um, the one other thing I like is Dynaspark in the hot humid months or even for competition. It has extra magnesium, electrolytes, and it tastes really good. It's from organic blackstrap molasses. I actually use it to give medicine if I have to give medicine, but that's something you can put a quarter to a half ounce on your horse's feet a day and um, even up to an ounce, I believe it is. Um, and that can be beneficial for comp competition or when they're sweating and losing a lot of electrolytes in the summer. So that's good. And the last product I'll talk about with Dynamite that I really love is the joint supplement called Free and Easy. It has everything you need for your joints from your glycosamine, chondroitin sulfate, yucca, devil's claw, vitamin C, um, the hyaluronic acid. All of that is in one. And it, um, it's a great product. Um, you can get it a, a, alone 
as a powder, or you can get it as TNT as a one, one cup all in one um, pellet instead of feeding an ounce of a powder and an ounce of a powder of some other stuff like the, the pellet, uh, dynamite's a pellet, an ounce of that. If you, it's an all in one. So TNT is dynamite and, um, free and easy joint supplement. It's also like the easy boy for magnesium and the ismines in there. And just, it's an all in one, basically kind of like feeding, I don't know, oxygen has one called Oxymax. It's kind of like that one cup all in one feed. I just like the ingredients personally better and the way that they balance the, um, the, the way that they balance the, uh, minerals. And I know that they're quality minerals. So that's something I do want to address. Sometimes when we're mixing a little of this, a little of that, we can cause imbalances. So, so it is really important. Um, the main things I want to get across today, because I'm going to have to wrap this up. It's going over, um, is the, uh, feeding quality hay, the proper amount and making sure that they have access to it, you know, 24 seven if possible. Um, whether it be your grass pasture or some hay in their stalls, that kind of thing. Um, the next thing is the sweet feed or too much grain. I don't believe in a lot of grain. Even when my horses were competing a lot, I never did more than a quarter to a half a scoop once or twice a day. Um, I don't like sweet feed because lactic acid of the sugar causes tying up and sore muscles. So I like a high fat, low starch personally. Um, and you have to watch out with sugar with, uh, EPSM and, oat allergies and th things like that. So high fat, low starch is probably better. Um, the next thing is, you know, supporting that digestion and detoxing. That's why I like the Dynapro and the Miracle Clay. Um, number four, it, it is hard for old traditions to die hard. I know a lot of people like corn oil or beet pulp or, um, you know, bran mashes and things like that. I used to be more into bran mashes, but now I find soaked hay cubes or soaked pellets when I want to get more water in my horses just fine. I know the horses enjoy their treat, but you can, you know, always throw a little bit in, a little bran or a little um, hay pellet, I mean, uh, apple treat or something that they like just to give them something special if you want. Um, but try not to ignore the obvious. If your horse is chewing on wood or eating tails, licking dirt, eating metal, um, that's why you want those free choice minerals out there. And also watch out for yucky stuff in there, um, you know, in their feed, in their diet. You know, you don't want anything that's over treated with chemicals and such. So watch that as well. And, and the final thing is, um, a lot of times people try to cut costs with hay, cheaper grain, cheaper hay, all that stuff, but then you end up with more vet bills and colics and sick horses and such. So don't confuse price with cost. Um, sometimes an ounce of prevention is worth what a pound of cure. So, um, so keep that in mind as well. And, um, you know, I do, I do think it's important to have a balance and not, mix a, too many brands together. That's why I like a program that's synergized to work as one. Um, I think that's very important as well. So I think I'm going to end there because I've been talking for almost 50 minutes and it's going to cut me off on these podcasts. They're not allowed to be more than an hour. Um, so I'm going to close with, um, I did a skill this week for hindquarter turns and then I did a mental uh, challenge uh, this week as well about um, positivity. Um, so just remember when you put God first in your life, life is just easier. Um, we all make mistakes. Um, 
and we all have adversity and hard times in our life, but there's so much peace when you just give things over to God. It just makes life a lot easier. And if you'll notice TLC's logo is a heart. Um, I truly believe we're put on this planet here to love and learn to love. And I think that's the most important thing that we are here to learn. We will fail and we will learn, um, just like in barrel racing, just like in life, but we keep trying. And, um, to me, that's just, um, my thought process on it. You know, I think we are here to learn what we're to learn and then we go on. So, um, and I think a heart, um, if you treat everything from the point of love and compassion, it's just, it'll make you feel better. It makes others around you feel better. And, um, and I just want to leave you with that message today, thinking positive and looking at things from a compassionate and heartfelt standpoint. So as always, ride with heart and God bless you all. Thank you.